Welcome back to Resball. It is our weekly Pistons pod, and Andy and I are frustrated at this team. So it's going to be more of a vent session this time, a little less of like, you know, breakdowns here and there. This is more going back and forth of what's really frustrating us about this team. And there's a lot to talk about. I kind of go off on Killian, so let's get into it right now. There's only one word to describe these Detroit Pistons right now, and that is frustrating. Frustrating from every level. It's not only just the play, but the injury stuff has compounded the frustration as well. I think maybe the number one thing for everybody, whether they were somebody that believed this was a play-in team, whether it was somebody that believed they're like 30 wins, or whether it was somebody that believed they're still probably playing for like the top position in the 2024 NBA draft. Everybody's frustrated at the injuries, first and foremost, because we just haven't seen this team at its full strength. We haven't seen Oyan or Amante Morris yet so far. Alec Burks dropped that out of the lineup. Unfortunately, Jalen Duran's been added to it. But even barring the injuries, there's been a lot of frustration with this team from the fan side and maybe from the player side, too. I mean, it's always hard to, to read into that. But as a player, you just can't. It would be impossible not to be frustrated at this point with how many games in a row they've lost so far. Andy and I don't really have like a set format today. We're just going to bring different things to the table tonight about this frustration. It's more of a venting session since it is pretty dire right now. My number one thing with this squad is like, what is this offense? We've heard a lot about 0.5 offense and ball movement beyond that. I have no idea what like the overarching philosophies of this offense are. And yes, part of it is because, you know, they don't have the full roster. So we don't really know, like, what do they run when they have everybody? But even then, I don't know if driving into the hoop and putting rim pressure is a priority. I don't think spacing is a priority based off of, of what I've seen in the offense. Pick and roll is kind of here and there. Like the second unit offense seems to be more of like run and go and, Ivy and Asar have done stuff in transition, but not enough to where you feel like that's a key thing that they're working on. This is my number one thing with this team right now. 11 games in, we are recording this November 11th or no, November 12th, excuse me, 2023 after the Pistons just played their 11th game against the Bulls on Sunday night. I, I don't know what this offense is. Do you have any idea, Andy? I am sorry that I am unable to help you in what we are witnessing on the offensive end. But I mean, even in one of Monty Williams' quotes, he said he's more likely to talk to players about rebounding and defense and the other things kind of take care of itself. I know that he wasn't, you know, talking about the offense then, but he's been really focused on the defense. If you look at the starting lineup, it's based on defense. But as we've mentioned many times, the offense is bad. And even that starting lineup, it only looks good. When they're creating turnovers and they're running or they're rebounding and they're running and they're in transition, but whenever they're in the half court, 
it doesn't look good. And like you said about the 0.5, I mean, sure, maybe there's a couple of people who are playing 0.5, but I still see Killian doing all his dribbling stuff and kind of being indecisive with the ball. And this isn't to rip on him because he's actually played, you know, fairly well for the team. No, I think we should rip on him. I don't care that he's productive. I think this is the antithesis of the 0.5 stuff that you're just trying to touch on there. I was going to ask you, give me your thoughts on Killian, because I think he is deserving of criticism. So, but, so my issue with, or my thing with Killian is I think he's played well enough to be in the rotation. I do not think he has played well enough to get the number of minutes that he's getting. And Monty has preached that he values minutes and he doesn't give them out. But realistically, if you're going to play Kate Cunningham for probably, and this is just a guess. I'll look it up and then I'll tweet about it later. But my guess is probably, he's probably averaging like 34 minutes a game and probably 27 of them are with Asar, Killian, and Stu on the court. But I mean, what are you going to expect from him offensively if that's what you're putting around him? Like I, someone designed an offense that's going to work with that. I don't know any coach who's going to come up with something great that everyone's not just going to be like, pack the paint, you know, just heavy on the pick and roll when it's with Duran. And and even some of the passes that they're making with some of these lobs and some of these dunks, if you look, the other team still has like four guys in the paint when they're doing this. It's like, it, it's not designed. It, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, absolutely. And why I say Killian's deserving of criticism, number one, he's not spacing the floor for Cade. My only question that this team needs to answer is do you help Cade? Like everybody on that roster needs to answer that question. Yes. If not, ship them off somewhere else. I don't think Killian helps out Cade on either end. I'll get into the defensive stuff later. Um, but it's more of like what the team is doing rather than him individually. But on offense for Killian, what's his number one shot? His number one shot would probably be like a fading mid-range elbow jumper and I don't see where that helps this team develop an offensive system since unless you are elite at it, the defense will just give you that shot the entire game basically and, and live with the results. And so, and this isn't to rip on Stu because he has played great, but along those same lines, he's not truly a floor spacer and he's not a vertical lob threat. So at the same time, like he's put, played great, but again, does he help? unlock Cade. Not really, but I don't want to divert. From yeah, Cade. we'll get into Stu here in a minute. Killian, uh, the floor spacing, he's six in terms of shot attempts on this team right now. I mean, I'm factoring in Kevin Knox here because Kevin Knox played well tonight. Uh, so fifth, if you want to take Knox out of there, Killian is only putting up 3.6 three-point attempts per game and he's shooting 32.5% from three. Nobody's guarding him out there. That's part of the package of like, if you play with Cade, you have to supplement him. And part of the reason why they're packing the paint is because they don't have to worry about the other guard and they don't have to worry about the small forward when Asar's out there. Sorry, Asar being a floor spacer. So you can just have those guys sag off no matter what. The main reason why I think Killian deserves criticism on offense is partially what you said is number one shots, probably jacking things up in the mid range. That's bogging down the offense. And most defenses will just live with a guy doing that all game. They don't care unless you're DeMar DeRozan or Chris Paul or Kate Cunningham, somebody like that, right? That's proven I'm like 49, 50% in the mid range. I implore you, anybody, Andy, 
Piston fans out there, anytime Killian has the ball on offense, look at everybody else. Look at everybody else on offense. What was one of the things that Monty preached about Cade's offense in the offseason was, oh, he's going to do some fantastic off-ball stuff. I don't think we've seen enough of that. And tonight in particular, when I was watching, there were times that Cade was wide open when Killian was driving in and he didn't even look his way. He had no idea he was there. That's why I think Killian really deserves criticism on offense because all those mid-range and all the stuff he's doing when he does get on his rolls and, you know, is being quote-unquote productive. Look at everybody else. There are so many times where they're wide open and they're able to do something because the defenders just, you know, sagged off them and went away. Even Asar. I know Asar is shooting something like 16, 15% from three, 15.4% from three. I don't care. Again, the process, you need him to get better at threes. You want him to take those. He knocks down one or two, then it becomes a little bit of a different game. And you need those reps. You need him to get those reps there. And again, Kate, if Kate's standing there wide open, let him shoot from three. You need that beef stews wide open there. Let him do that. Even for somebody like Jalen Dern or Bagley, who I don't want to be shooting threes. They still do a really good job of, of attacking there from top of the key or on the wings. You pass them out, they're wide open. Then they can get in, you know, they're pretty good handle for their size, draw contact. Duran's a really good short roll passer. He does a good job finding another open man there and swinging it around. Killing's just got to be doing something else or not be on the court. You can't just be jacking up mid-rangers and you can't be this far down the line as a floor spacer when you're playing next to Kate and also when you're playing Next to Asar, it just makes the offense, like, again, realize, like, what are we doing here? One guy is a rookie who has never really been a floor spacer. It's going to take a very long time for that to even be average. And then the other guard there just likes to get in the mid-range and jack up shots, which, hey, your number one option can probably do that in level two. You don't need another guy doing that. Yeah. No, that was a, that was a very good rant. <laughs> and- All right, you, what, what's your rant? <laughs> um. My rant still comes back to the defense first approach when you don't have a a team that will fit a defense first approach. If you looked at how atrocious this team was at defense last season, the only thing you added was James Wiseman, Monte Morris, who hasn't played. You've added Joe Harris, who now is injured, but his defense is not good. You did draft two great rookies, but rookies have a limit to how much they will add defensively. And somehow magical coaching is going to make this a good defensive team. Like that makes no sense. And if you look at the other teams that are struggling this year, whether it's Charlotte, Utah, whoever, almost every single one of those teams scores more points than we do because in this league, you have to score. Unless your defense is elite, and the defense has been better, and I understand we want to build habits and principles and foundations, I get it. But if we maintain this starting lineup, which Killian's part of the problem because he's not offensive enough, they're not going to score enough points to be to to win many of these games. Like I just mathematically, I don't understand how they think they're going to score enough to win when the Bulls are a bad offensive team, and tonight they put up what one nineteen or one eighteen. It's like. And and they didn't even have Caruso playing to lock down, you know, one of our offensive players. It's like this team needs a better offensive approach, which was basically your rant. 
So yeah, Killian also affects here on defense and I, I, I'm totally with you of like, what good is the defensive identity if it just basically totally sinks your offense in the process? My main beef with this lineup, I, I get the starting lineup. I get it. Okay. If you want to preach defense, this is why you're giving Killian the minutes because he's playing the role. He's playing the scheme. He's not blowing assignments. He's not dying on screens like a Jade Ivy, that kind of stuff. But what's the point of playing a Killian Hayes and an Asar Thompson between a Cade Cunningham? It's supposed to be so that Cade isn't having to guard the number one or number two guy. Factor in Beef Stew back there, who, again, is a great switch defender. Why and why or why every night do I see about five or ten possessions where Cade is guarding Steph Curry? He's guarding Kevin Durant. Tonight he guarded Levine and he guarded DeRozan. What's the point of having this defense lineup out there? If Kate is still having to guard the top one or two guy on the other side, this is why he's running out of gas in the fourth. This is why he's having, you know, so much uh, like running out of steam kind of issues. And he's dealing with the flu or COVID. One of those two things is Monty came out earlier this week and said, yeah, you know, Ivy had some kind of viral infection and Kate has also been dealing with it, you know, along with some other guys. It's like, okay, if you want to buy into the defensive stuff, then keep Kate away from having to guard the top option for these extended periods of time because it's not sustainable. Everybody has said that. Listen to any NBA analyst, listen to any scout, listen to any coach. You cannot have your top option also be running around trying to guard the other team's top option. They do not have the energy. Nobody is able to do that, especially in an 82-game season. Playoff time, obviously, that's a different uh, time and a different animal. But we, we shouldn't be talking about playoffs or like doing this to condition People to get to playoffs. If the point of the defensive lineup is to have something stable, then keep Cade away from having to guard the other guy's top options because that's just going to sink his offense and the whole offense and more in, in general. And again, this is why I have beef with Killy on both ends is because it's like, okay, if you're playing him, then he needs to be taking on whatever assignment that Cade should not be taking on. And that's just not happening enough right now. Yeah. And just to add on to that, Kate should almost never be in foul trouble, yet he is still consistently in foul trouble because, like you said, he shouldn't have to be guarding the other team's best players. Like, it it doesn't make sense because I know tonight he was sick, but if he's not on the court, what offense does this team have? Like, what do they run? I mean... Jaden Ivey's right now is just standing in the corner. You got 11 minutes of Jaden Ivey, Andy. Remember, in our last pod, I said, sound the alarm. And that was before all that other nonsense came out. So, <laughs> oh. Yeah, the, uh, the, the defensive first approach is starting to make us all crack a little bit. Again, we get it. We're Detroit fans. We love defense. Nobody's saying don't do it. But we don't want to do it at the expense of Kate Cunningham. And we don't want to do it at the expense of the offense and enjoyable basketball as well. My other rant here has to do more with like injuries. Like it's hard because sometimes they're just fluke occurrences, right? Sometimes it's just a bad break, but they're starting to pile up. And one in particular to me is a little worrisome. And that's Jalen Duran. Like I always get squirrely when big men, especially built like him, you know, the brick house, they start to get knee and ankle issues that, that just nag. Uh, I don't know. I, uh, I just, again, I don't know how to feel about it. What do you think? Like, is this concerning? 
because I do have a thought on it, but I wanted to get your take first. Well, it is very concerning because if you look back to his rookie season, he's had these issues where whether it's coming down from a dunk or blocking a shot, he just comes down, he might land on someone's ankle, which, you know, it happens. But when it happens to him, it tends to linger for a while. And it may be an issue that the team wanted him back right away because the backup center position is not good. So maybe they rushed him back a little bit and him not being able to finish the last game was very worrisome. And, and, and not to like ruin the season already, but these guys are not playing for much. So there's no point in him not playing until his ankles are a hundred percent because it's not worth re-aggravating the injuries. But at the same time, if this is something that he always has to watch, that is scary because, as you mentioned, he kind of makes this whole offensive thing work with his rim pressure and his two-man game with Cade. Like, the only times this offense has really looked really good is when him and Cade are cooking or when the bench with Ivy and Sasser and Burks, they just have it going on other than that this offense has looked bad the entire season so anything that could reduce how much Duran is available is a big problem and i i'm worried about it yeah i think they at least need a backup plan or like to load up on a little one or two more guys and some to think about and I'm not saying don't give up on Duran or give up on Duran i'm not saying that i'm not saying give up on jalen Duran. I'm just saying if this is something that he's already dealing with, then you got to find some ways to mitigate his minutes or at least have, you know, that backup plan in case something happens. And a couple of names to think about are like Jared Allen, Nick Claxton, because they were both in Brooklyn and Brooklyn kind of doubled up on centers there for a while because they weren't sure about Jalen or Jared Allen, you know, and then they slowly developed Nick Claxton and he became pretty reliable and then they were able to move on to him. And then Cleveland did the same thing. They loaded up on centers, you know, they now they have Jared Allen. They had Evan Mobley. They had Laurie Markin. And I mean, obviously, they have three different skill sets. And Laurie's such a unique player. You're able to play him at the three. But again, it was this, this idea of like, okay, let's load up on big men. That way, we don't have to be super reliant on one all the time. And even if one is limited, like a Jared Allen, and might be kind of dinged up here and there. We have these other guys that are there. They didn't give up on him. Obviously, they still have him and he's still an integral part of their defense, but they did things to help him out and not have to rely on him so much. And the other one to think about is Toronto. Toronto has like a bunch of different dudes. They can play at center. Chris Boucher, um, you know, Jakob Pertle, they brought back in. Siakam, they play at center every now and then. In the past, they played like OG Ananobi at center. And that was their point. It's just like, we need to rotate these guys in and out because we don't want to have to rely on somebody too much of the time and give you kind of different looks. We all believe in Jalen Dern. We still do. Like you said, the offense really, it works fantastic when Cade and Jalen Dern can just basically like spam the pick and roll. They have such great chemistry. Dern has already become a really good role guy and his hands and his catch radius and all that really help out to be a lob threat um, to beat the double teams and stuff like that too. So, like, they need at least something or somebody else that can continue to do that, too, even if Duran is banged up. And again, it's always good to have a backup plan in case, you know, God forbid something goes wrong. But Bagley can kind of do it, but it's obviously still not the same level because Duran is such a, a beast and a brick wall 
And again, the catch radius and all that stuff helps out so much. Duran isn't as movable as a Marvin Bagley is. And then Stu has gotten better too as a pick and roll guy. But if you're having to do that, we saw it tonight when Stu was the small ball five, that just takes him away from being a floor spacer, which he's getting better at. And you can't have him in that role. You can do the small ball five occasionally, but then it does take away like the pick and roll stuff. And if you don't have enough shooters around beef stew to do that, then forget it. Like it's not going to work quite as well. So again, I'm not sounding the alarms on Jalen Dern. I'm just saying it's, it's concerning. And I wish they had at least one other dude. Another situation I think about is like, you know, um, Dallas, Dallas hasn't had a fantastic centers until Derek Lively this year. They've had like Maxi Kleba and they've had Dwight Powell, but you know what they do enough is they run pick and roll stuff and pick and pop stuff that Luca can continue to, to operate and they can still have a really good defense. Like, I just think they need another guy like that. And man, praying that this is just a small blip on the Jalen Duran radar, but I, I am worried. I always get worried anytime there's big guys that have ankle and, and knee issues in the first two years of their career. Cause Statistically, it just is not a good thing. And I mean, a big problem is, and for all the people who said the entire time that the the James Wiseman trade is like a, a fringe move, it's not important in the big picture. These are games right now that they were competitive in tonight, but when we have to play James Wiseman versus a, a capable NBA center, it just makes a big difference. And I think Memphis was the team that just added um, Bismack Biombo because of their center injuries. And he's nothing amazing, but he's a big physical guy who can play some backup center minutes. But do we really even have roster space to do stuff like that because of the Wiseman trade? Not really. And the money it took up, like I think his contract was like $8 million more than like um, Sadiq Bay's. And it's like that's $8 million that could have been used on a center, which... We don't have. I mean, even we wanted like someone like JaVel McGee, which seems, you know, ridiculous, but it's like in a moment like this, it'd be great to have him on the roster, you know? So I, I think those edges that we talked about, they, they matter. Like they, they add up, like even just seeing um, Stanley Ubude on the, the roster, like he's played well for us, you know, and thank goodness the G League team is, you know, finally producing stuff. And even, I think Jared Roden had a great game tonight. So like all those little things matter. So it's, it's important that uh, we don't overlook the little things that people are like, ah, oh, that's not really a big deal because now when the team needs it, it's like, Oh yeah, I guess, I guess it is a big deal. Yeah. Cause the other guy that makes the offense work is Alec Burks. Like we just saw once he went out of the lineup, man, this team really doesn't have that great of spacing, even with Sasser shooting it as well as he did. And then Kate going in the slump too, obviously it doesn't help, but you saw in Burks's limited time and what was it? Two games that he played um, before he exited or three, like he was just lighting up from three and man, they really need that guy. Cause that guy, the way he was shooting like something like 70% from three, he just couldn't miss. That guy has to be accounted for. And then you factor in the foul stuff and all that too. Like that definitely changes how you close out on a guy. Cause you're not going to hard close out on a guy that draws contact like that. And you're probably going to give up a lot of threes as a result because you can't just get in his face too easily without getting in foul trouble. I mean, Duran makes the pick and roll game go. Burks really makes the, the three point game go. But I think the main takeaway for me from this is these are positive indicators of like, man, here's two things that if you can just do more of, this will be 
a pretty good team. If you just have a standard pick and roll or a steady stream of, of pick and roll, you have another guy that can shoot really well from three. Like that seems like you're cooking with gas and is a good start. Am I out of my mind to think that? No, I don't think you're out of your mind. But it, now you, just hearing you say that, it does make me think about rewatching Burks's time when he's on the court because is it just him cooking and shooting and drawing fouls or does the offense run differently when he's out there? Because if a lot of it is just him, you know, then, then maybe Boyan does make things a little bit better when he returns because he's able to do similar things that Burks does. But it's like, what does that really say about where this team is at? If they're relying on those two guys because otherwise there's no offensive system for this team to like score points. That's, that's a problem. Yeah. I will say just in the observations I've made, it's like Burks, you can tell is actually playing a role within the system. If you watch Monty Williams's teams or like Jake Crowder and Mikhail Bridges, the guys that were basically just out there like space the floor and not Chris Paul and not Devin Booker. Like you can see him doing a lot of those same things, but doing them better. He's not the level of defender that Mikhail is, but he's way, way better shooter. And he's really just been kind of like, you know, trying to space the floor out. And then if he's run off the line, he gets in there and tries to find the best shot he can. He'll occasionally pass it. He's one of the few guys on this team, I think, that like are legitimately playing a role. Again, it's part of why I have major beef with Killian. I don't see him really playing a role outside of just like a low turnover point guard who like can be scrappy on defense. You know, Stu has been playing a role. Duran's obviously been playing a role. Cade's been the man. Who knows what's going on with Ivy? And then even Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox coming in tonight. Shout out Kevin Knox. Fantastic game. I wish he'd have sunk that, that last three so he could have the perfect night for the debut. You see him come in and know like, hey, all I got to do is shoot threes pretty much. That's my my way to getting better on this. And I think also he probably thought like, hey, I was here last year. That's probably what I need to hang my hat on and what this roster needs. I listened a little bit to his post-game press conference tonight, Kevin Knox, and he said, you know, it feels like I've been here all year. And it, it certainly looked that way. Shout out Kevin Knox. Fantastic debut tonight. And man, he sure makes Joe Harris irrelevant now. So I don't know if you were going to mention it now, but because you mentioned it earlier, but and when you brought it up earlier, I was like, that's a very good point, And it looked very true. But tonight you said Kevin Knox stood out because it looked like he was playing a point five offense where he was making a quick decision and either shooting or driving on the closeout. Or it looked like he had been through training camp and through the beginning of the season under Monty and some of these other players. It looks like they maybe they don't get it or they don't understand what they're supposed to be doing because he looked like he had been here for more than just a week. Yeah, again, this makes me go back to my first rant of like, what even is this offense? If the dude off the street comes in and it seems like he gets it immediately, it makes me wonder what's going on with everybody else. Cade's obviously kind of exempt from this. Ivy's exempt from this too, honestly, in my opinion, because of like, we just don't know. We haven't seen him enough to really get an idea of what's going on. Everybody else, it's like, okay, Duran at least has been probably the most like his role is again, just spamming pick and roll kind of thing. Um, occasionally doing weird things like jacking up a three or, or tacking off the dribble like that. Stu's kind of been stuck 
in between things of like, sometimes he's a floor spacer. Sometimes he's a post-up guy. Sometimes he does like turnaround J stuff. I don't really know what his role is, even though he's played well. We're not going to knock him there. I just, again, don't really know if his role is ironed out yet. Uh, Sawyer is just out there hustling. You know, that's he, I don't know if you can say he's exempt from it, but you probably thought that was his role to begin with is like, just go make things happen. Shoot threes when you're open, that kind of thing. Again, this is why I have beef with Killian. I don't know. I don't know. It's obviously not a primary floor spacer. It's mainly attacking in the mid range. It's not turning the ball over. It's being scrappy on defense, I guess. Joe Harris was supposed to be a three-point shooter, but they haven't really run any plays for him. He hasn't really shot extremely well, and then they've been given the opportunity. Even Sasser, I don't, I'm not going to lie. Sasser's starting to bother me a little bit because he's running off the line, like jacking up mid-range shots a bit too much. You know, and again, it's like, is that really what you're preaching him to do? It's like, you know, you know, pump fake, run off the line. And then jack up a mid-range shot when Cade and Killian and Asar are just kind of standing around there. Like, I don't know, man. I just don't know what the roles are, like what everybody is supposed to be doing out there right now. And again, it's 11 games, but it's it's still frustrating. And I, I think the frustration again mounted more for me tonight, seeing Kevin Knox come in and do kind of what we want a lot of these other guys to do. Like Asar, Killian, I don't care that you're shooting it that badly. I don't think we would really have a problem with them if they played the way they, Kevin Knox did tonight and they're like shooting like 20%. I mean, Asar is already shooting like 16, 15% anyway. But if you're putting up that volume and it's clear like, okay, I'm trying to supplement Cade or okay, it's clear I'm trying to create an offense that doesn't have to deal with all this congestion, that would make more sense to me. I I agree with that. And I think that. Kevin Knox being in, I mean, I would consider it a no-lose situation because he just got picked up by the team. He's not going to be in the rotation unless he does something like tonight, like a magical performance. So it's like for him coming in, he's like, I'm open. I'm just going to let it fly. And that's what everyone should be doing. If you're open, you let it go. You shoot the ball and you space the floor. And yeah, it, it just... I don't know. I For me, I see too many possessions where I see Killian doing some dribbling and then he passes it over to Stu and then Stu like hands it off. And then I look at the shot clock and I'm like, no, like how, what is the feeling on that team running those plays? Like, I don't care if, if Stu and Killian have great seasons What's the ceiling of this team? And it doesn't really change the ceiling. Like this team is going to go as far as how much we support Cade, how much we support Ivy, and then what we can do with Asar and Duran in their roles. But I just, yeah, I'm, I, I am like you. I'm not sure. I just, I don't see what the goal is. What are we trying to, to achieve? It, it just looks, it looks lost. Yeah, and the last thing for me on the offense is what you just brought up. There's too many times where it's like the ball swings around and the ball is moving. <clears throat> I don't know. It's like, is that what you think point five offense is, is just keep moving around? And Stu, my main, my, maybe my only criticism with Stu is he's passed up too many looks that are probably open and that he's probably not comfortable enough taking the three yet. Hopefully the Knox film tonight, like if I were a coach on that team, I would pull him aside and say, look at this film. That's what you need to be doing. And again, who cares if they don't go in? 
like the point of, of you now is becoming a better three point shooter to unlock everything else because his improved finishing, even when he does the post up stuff and all that, I don't mind that because it does seem like it works and it's not a primary thing in the offense. It's normally like, yeah, I'm at the end of the shot clock. It came to me and there's no other time or like, hey, we run this every now and then to kind of change up the pace. That's fine. But yeah, you got to you got to stop swinging the ball around so much. And Killian, another this is like my anti Killian podcast, I guess. That's another part of it to me is like if he's not jacking up these weird mid range, he's another one that's just like, nope, passing out of it, even though I'm wide open for three. He's definitely the one that's turning down all the looks of star. Is a rookie, he has at least had that excuse. And, you know, if you draft him, you already knew that was going to be a major struggle. This is a fourth year for Killian. There's no more excuses to be passing out of open threes like that. And again, I don't care what the percentage is. It's just like we saw with Kevin Knox tonight, and you said it best. Just let it fly. So do you believe that teams are defending them differently than when we started the season? Or is the, are the players attacking the rim less than when we started the season? I think it's a little A, a little B. The injuries obviously probably have made like opposing coaches be like, just sell out on Cade, which is pretty much what we saw tonight, right? Against the Bulls. They were just like, you know, get two or three guys on him uh, all night. And it's what we've seen the past two or three games. It's just like everybody's like, hey, just put two or three guys on Cade, try and get him to shoot threes because he's obviously in a terrible shooting slump right now. I can't remember the last time he hit a three point shot. Like I think it's more due to the injuries more than anything else. If I had to take a guess, yeah. I mean, I've I'll, I'll remember for next time to give the person a shout out. But there's someone who's been tracking Cade shooting by quarter, and the first quarter is by far his best shooting quarter. And then for the other three, it's like eh. after he had to chase Steph Curry on you know screens for a quarter, and then he had to go handle Clay out. Like clay out there, and then he, you know, by the fourth quarter, like, okay, buddy, go, go rescue us. Like, yeah, he's tired, man. Come on. Did you have another rant? Because I'm, and those, those are my main beefs and frustrations that I wanted to get out tonight. Yeah, I mean, I was just, just pointing that out to be like, yeah, his legs are tired, especially if they're going through some sort of sickness that everyone's getting, and you're not feeling great. Yeah, that's going to affect you toward the end of the game, but. And the season's still young. There's still a lot to be figured out. Some guys will get healthy. But as we thought when the season started, this wasn't going to be some amazing team that some people thought we had all the pieces for. Yeah, for sure. I I wanted to end on positive notes. There have only been six guys here that have played all 11 games. Those six guys being Asar Thompson, Kate Cunningham, Isaiah Stewart, Killian Hayes, Marcus Sasser, Marvin Bagley. You know, at least they've been the consistent guys there. Again, probably part of the reason why Killian's getting major minutes is just consistency of being able to be available. Number one, and again, consistency of being the guy that's probably not turning it over. Like he's probably the only guy not really turning it over, right? Um, So kudos to them for being able to make all the games so far. I also think Isaiah Stewart is somebody that like, if you criticize him, like, I don't know what you're thinking right now because he's been good. 12 and a half points per game, 47.7% from the field, 44.4% from three on 4.1 attempts from three per game, 69.6% from the free throw line, 7.7 rebounds, 1.6 assists and 0.1 steal per game. And then 0.6 
blocks per game. Like he's filling his role. He's making his money. Really, you want him to be a fifth man. And I think he is maybe the the guy that's emblematic of this team where you're like, you know what? The young guys are solid and the future is bright, but they're all being asked to do too much. Kate included. But I think, Stu, people that want to complain about him are like, you know, why is he scoring more? Why is he doing this? And it's like, he needs to be your fifth guy. He doesn't need to be the second leading, you know, three-point threat on this team. He's not built for that yet. Maybe... In a couple seasons, you know, Lord willing, everything pans out and he is. But with Burks gone, he's been the number two guy taking threes. It was Kate at six and a half per game. And then after that, it was Isaiah Stewart taking 4.1. And then right behind him is Marcus Sasser. So he's doing what we wanted him to do. He's defending. He's hitting threes. He's getting better at it. He's getting better as a finisher. He's got to cut down on the turnovers too. But it's like he's just being asked to do too much. But he's still doing a great job. So Shout out Beef Stew. Hopefully he keeps getting better and better. And he's somebody too I really want to track once like a Monte Morris and a Bojan comes in. Because if he's already shooting it this well right now, once all those other guys comes back, maybe he does lose some opportunities. But man, he, he's done well in what we wanted him to do. I would just like to see like when he's open, just let it go. Because we have so many. And I mean, sometimes when you look at a team that has so many turnovers, it's like, Passing up an empty shot only to uh, an open shot only to have a turnover later in the possession is a disaster. Like, let that shot go. Yeah. And even then, that's like a young guy thing, right? And this is only his second season ever really like trying to be a three point threat. So hopefully that 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 stuff irons out there. Do you have anybody in particular that you want to highlight for like the superlatives of this team so far? Um, No, but and this is something that you can get back to me on later. But uh, was Sasser a streaky shooter with Houston? Like, does he go through incredibly hot stretches and then some cold stretches to kind of balance his scoring out? Or do you know anything about that? Kind of. Last season, he started, I want to say it was like the first 10 games or whatever, where he shot like 25% from three or something. I can give you the numbers here. Just give me a little bit of time. But the year before that, he seemed to be pretty, um, pretty consistent throughout the entire year. But I, that is one thing that I do remember from last year. So yeah, to answer your question about Marcus Sasser, the first 10 games of the season in his last season at Houston, he didn't shoot very well. It was terrible. And then it was like the first 14 games were really bad. And then he turned it around. And it was like a 40% shooter pretty much the rest of the way. That's the only really like streaky part of his profile that I remember. Otherwise, I remember him being solid. They'll have like occasional games, obviously, like any shooter does, where you go like one for six or like oh for ten. Like that happens to anybody that that is a really good shooter. We've seen it happen with Steph. Start off certain seasons where he just can't hit, and then all of a sudden by the end of the season, he's shooting forty percent again, like 50, 40, 90, you know. Um, so that, that's the only part of the the profile that I can remember for Sasser. But yeah, he's definitely been more than we bargained for with the defense and with the three point shooting. I wish he would shoot it more from three. Like I mentioned earlier, I think he's running off the line too much. And, you know, when the guys close out on him, he pump fakes or he drives in and then shoots a mid range. I'm like, man, just sidestep that and take another three or just shoot it. Cause I think you're open enough right there. I think he really does need to up the volume on it. Cause that could be something that would help out the team a lot as well. He should be taking more threes than an Isaiah Stewart. Hopefully that will be the case when we do this again in the next like 10 or 12 games, you know, but yeah, that, that'd be my only beef with him right now. It's like, 
Just fire away. Just like you said with Stu, just fire away, man. Is there any other players you wanted to highlight or? So I've been, I, I love a star. I've been hesitant to make this a thing to put out there. There's a name with him that I thought like pretty much last January or February, somewhere in there when, when I did the Asar breakdown for Woodward Pistons, I think that was in February. There was a name I didn't want to bring up because I was like, Ooh, I, I don't think he'll be that good. But man, the more I watch him, the more I'm like, I think we're watching the new Dennis Rodman. And, you know, like the way he can rebound the athleticism and the fact that like nobody cares that he's not shooting it well. And because nobody cares he's not shooting well because he does so much. He does so much everywhere else. I mean, he's one of the league leaders in rebounds right now. I, nobody had that coming, man. Ten and a half rebounds right now. Three and a half assists. 1.2 steals per game, 1.8 blocks per game. We'll see if that holds up over a whole season. But Rodman in his uh, freshman season with the Pistons, 4.3 rebounds, 0.7 assists, 0.5 steals, 0.6 blocks. You know, it obviously took a while for him to come around. But like, and and Isaiah Livers said the other night in a um, in-game interview, like, oh man, he's first team all defense. And it's like, I, he's not the first one I've heard say that from the NBA side of things too. We've heard Draymond talk about him. We've heard KD talk about him. We've heard all these dudes in their post-game press conference be like, yeah, like that's a guy there. And again, to me, the more I see of him, the more I'm reminded of Rodman. Rodman was six, seven, like 200, 210, somewhere around there as well. Could play small forward, power forward. I'm starting to see that a little bit more with Asar as well. Can go over into small forward, power forward. Because then it, it mitigates the shooting too, and really helps them take advantage of the rebounding and the shot blocking. And it just seems like there's nobody he can't guard, just like Rodzilla. So I, I think we're seeing another worm here because he just—I can't remember the last time I've seen a rookie this good on defense who's clearly the best defender on his team. So how would you feel about him coming out of the starting lineup to add Boyan in? Oh, uh, well, I got to ruin my night. I got to ruin my night. The last podcast I had with Andy. Yeah. I mean, I would get it, uh, but to keep it real, like, I get it. I, I get it. But if you're not taking Killian out, I don't know what you're doing. Like, it, you, you got to play Boyan and Asar next to each other. That would be fantastic. You know, obviously, you're still going to struggle on defense. But again, the, you're already struggling on defense right now anyway. At least you have another volume three point shooter out there that takes pressure off of Asar. Asar is going to have another guy he can kick it out to. Cade's going to have another three-point shooter uh, to kick it out to and all that stuff. Like, oh, man. If they take Asar, they, they can't mess with Asar's minutes, in my opinion. He's just been too valuable to the defense. And that would be the one thing to where I would actually come out and say, I think Monty Williams is a hypocrite. You're pulling your best defender out of there, right? Like, if you reduce Asar's minutes, then what are you even doing at this point? Yeah. No. Okay. I just... I just wanted to throw throw that at you, but no, I I agree with what you're saying, and I guess I see more offensive potential with Asar than a Rodman. But Rodman was so great on defense and at rebounding, and the way Asar rebounds is special. It's like he just has a knack for where the ball is going to be. He just finds it. And then he has the physical tools to just go out there and get it sometimes. And yeah, it it is. And like, I know the team loses a lot and they're not very good. 
I still enjoy watching these games. I enjoy watching him get rebounds and blocks and play defense. Like as a fan of the game, he's making this season enjoyable for me to watch with everything else that's happening. So, you know, I, I like the comp. Yeah. And it definitely takes more of the pressure off him to be more of an offensive threat. And he is already more of an offensive threat than Rodman said, like you, you just mentioned. He can develop his handle to do more things to be able to like operate and pick and roll. Nobody's going to defend him as a shooter still. But if he can be like the four guy doing that and they do have somebody like a beast out there who's continuing to get better as a three point shooter or if he can do it with Duran, then they can kind of do like <laughs> throw lobs to each other back and forth. It's a mismatch thing. And ten and a half rebounds being one of the leaders in rebounds. He's just a fantastic passer. Over one steal, over one block per game. It's really hard to do that, even if you're an NBA veteran. I can't say enough good things about Asar and just keep being this guy, this hustle player. You know, you don't need to develop too much elsewhere other than just being a fantastic defender and getting smarter on that end. That's the that's the banana part of it and the part that's like, wow, how good could he really be on defense? Because he's already got people talking about like it's not out of the question to be like, yo, this guy could be second team defense in his rookie year. That is rare, man. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you, man. It, it has been been fun to watch and he's exceeded all of my expectations. Yeah. Same as somebody who was a big Jairus Walker fan and still is a very big Jairus Walker fan. That's who I wanted. Like, I can't even think of that anymore because of how great Asar has been and how like Jairus, I wanted to think he could fit in the three and maybe he still can. But Asar is a three through a four. And like I said, I think we're watching the next Rodman here just to be defensive rebounding monster that actually can pass and be a lob threat and develop more of like dribble game and stuff on the offense. So shout out to Asar. We love you, man. I think he's we're slowly climbing the ladder of being just as important as Kate Cunningham for this rebuild. So Andy, let everybody know where they can find you unless you have one more rant in you tonight. Nope. No more, no more rants. I'm hoping we get one of these uh, surprising performances where everybody just shoots the lights out and we get a victory because if we don't, it, it could get a little rough, but you can find me on Twitter at D underscore D underscore Pistons underscore fan. And, uh, like tonight, I except for the Kevin Knox, I had pretty much the rest of the rotation on on point, and uh, we even got the reduction in Wiseman minutes in the fourth quarter because, well, if you're trying to win the game, you just have to do that. But uh, but no, it's uh, we'll see what happens. This team has given us a lot to talk about. Yeah, and we'll be excited to see Monte Morris and Boyan come back. If we, as we have said multiple times. It will be nice to have more floor spacers out there and hopefully they can put a lineup together where it's just Cade and a bunch of floor spacers because then we can get an idea of like, okay, was the turnover issue what we were saying? You know, where is Cade at when he does have adequate floor spacing and all that? It's exciting to see that moving forward. Maybe even a trade will happen one or two down the road. So, yeah, thank you so much for listening to us. We will catch you next time. How going it?